Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. For he is worthy to be praised today. We want to thank uh, the praise team. Uh, Hannah, thank you for uh, ushering us into the presence of the Lord. And I uh, want to thank Chris for being our liturgist today. And uh, we, you know, we have to thank people for for their willingness to serve. Let's give them a hand. Amen. Amen. Well, we have embarked on a wonderful study for these, uh, this season of Advent uh, entitled Fear Not. Uh, in the Gospels, we find this constant statement that the angels are making to uh, Mary, to the shepherds, uh, to tho those who God wants to enlist in his grand scheme of salvation history, uh, when God shows up, he wants them to have a strong sense of his presence and not be fearful. Uh, so we're, we're looking at this, this series today because we, we know that in this season of Advent and even in light of all that's going on as far as the pandemic is concerned, there's a lot of tension in the air, a lot of fear in the air. And how do we as Christians uh, appropriately handle fear? How do we handle fear? And so I just want to thank Pastor George for uh, uh, being willing to take this task on, in, in other words, to equip us as the family of God, uh, to understand uh, when God speaks into our lives, he, 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 when fear comes knocking at the door, he wants faith to answer. And so, amen, somebody. Amen. So today we're going we're gonna to look at Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. I do ask that you stand for the public reading of Scripture. Uh, I will... Uh, read it. I just want you to follow along with me and listen in. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. The birth of Jesus is foretold here. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man who, whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favorite one. The Lord is with you. She was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in, in your womb and Bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son 
of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her, her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month of her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. The word grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The fear of failure. The fear of failure. You know, I learned a, a, a new word this week. In my studies, uh, I've learned a, a new word. It's, it's a tickophobia. A tickophobia. And so I, I've been kind of, you know, everywhere I go, I've been saying that word, just a tickophobia. <laughs> Amen. And it, it means the fear of failure. The fear of failure. I, I did not know that there was a phobia around this fear, uh, a fear of failure, but it, it is uh, a word. It is a, a real condition. And uh, there's a, a psychologist by the name of Jessica Thiefels. Uh, and she states that there are five potential indicators that a fear of failure has come between you and the life of purpose, excitement, or satisfaction you dream about. Five indicators, and here are the indicators. You, you procrastinate or avoid responsibility. And I don't, I don't know about you, but whenever I read something like this, I say, oh, that, that's me. That sounds like me. <laughs> Anytime I read something, I say, oh, I think I have that. <laughs> you procrastinate and avoid responsibility. Number two, you, you feel discontent in your career path. She calls that risk aversion. In other words, you, you don't take any risks. You have a job that doesn't fulfill you or you have a passion for something else uh, that's deep inside of you that gives you life, but you settle for the career path or the job you have because it's safe, it's comfortable, uh, it doesn't really challenge you, uh, but you, it, it, it pays the bills you're making a living, but you're not making a life. So there's, there's this risk aversion. You don't want to take a risk. Uh, you worry, number three, about disappointing others. You don't want to disappoint your parents. You don't want to disappoint your friends. You don't want to disappoint your spouse. So uh, th there is a fear of failure. So you, you worry about that. Uh, you, you, can't, you have sleep, sleepless nights. So sometimes it's not always what you eat, but it's what's eating you. You experience the physical effects of stress. Uh, you get tense. Uh, you have headaches. You have stomach pains because of this fear of failure. So you, you experience uh, stress. And then number five, you aren't proactive about your future. You, you, you only live in the presence. You're not thinking about tomorrow. So she, she said, these are the five potential indicators that a fear 
of failure has overwhelmed you, has come between you and your life of purpose. You're not excited anymore. There's no satisfaction about what, what you're doing. So I, I thought about the, these indicators. Uh, no doubt, uh, all of us at some point have experienced this fear of failure. Uh, it, it, it's normal to feel this fear of failure, but it's abnormal to normalize it. It's abnormal to normalize. In other words, how do we as Christians, what is distinctively different about us as opposed to those who don't know the Lord about this fear of failure? How, how do we navigate? How do we cope? How do we get through this fear of failure? I'm glad you asked because nestled in this passage of Scripture, uh, we are introduced to a woman of faith. We're introduced to a God who wants to help us overcome this fear of failure. We are introduced to a story where there is a sense where there is a fear of failure, but God helps this young lady, perhaps 13 to 15 years old, navigate through her fear of failure. Uh, passage has been read. The text, uh, the setting is clear. We, we find here in Luke 1, 26 to 38, that, that God, is, God works in stages, that God oftentimes shows up on the other side of the tracks uh, in a small town, that he, he shows up in unexpected places to meet unexpected people, to give an unexpected promise and reality to those who are marginalized in society. So when we look at this passage, we're introduced, it says in verse 26 that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Let's stop right there. there there's, there's this, God shows up. He sends Gabriel. Now, there are only two angels that are who actually have names in the, in the Bible, and that's Gabriel and Michael. And when Gabriel shows up, that's serious business. God sends Gabriel to Nazareth, a little town that only has one traffic light. Amen. And every few hours, you hear a train going through the town. Some of you lived, have lived in a town like that. And here you have Gabriel showing up, not in the king's palace, not uh, to show up to meet a king, but to show up to meet a young woman who's 13 to 15 years old to show her that he has a plan for her. What, what, what a beautiful story that God shows up in a place called Nazareth, that God shows up in a place, a blue-collar town. Uh, uh, Nazareth is not a place that you go uh, for vacation. It, it, they don't have any bed and breakfast there. They don't have a Hilton there. It, it, it's just a, a little place where people work, everyday workers. Verse 27, 27 says, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. House of David, the virgin's name was Mary. 
we introduce to Nazareth, we introduce to Mary, we introduce to a woman whom God has placed a calling on her life. And when you see these, these, these narratives where there is a calling on someone's life, there, there, there are five things. One scholar says that there's a divine confrontation, there's an introductory word, there's, there is a commission, and there is an objection to the commission, and then there is a reassurance, and there's the sign, and there's the response. So we, we, we see this, and this is, this is typical of what we call prophetic callings. We see this in Moses' life. We see this in Jeremiah's life, that Mary is in good company in terms of this calling. We see this in Joseph's situation. And so here we, we see in verse 26 and 27 a divine visit, a divine confrontation. Gabriel is on assignment to let Mary know. And this is the thing about God, that God makes those whom the world call outsiders, he makes them insiders. That's good news, brothers and sisters, that God chose an everyday person like Mary and said, I'm going to make you an insider to what I'm getting ready to do in the world. What a blessing. What an what a awesome God we serve. And there's this introductory word in verse 28. And he came to her and said, greetings, favorite one. The Lord is with you. Came to her and said that. The Lord is with you. It, it, is, it is to this unlikely girl and this unlikely situation that God sends Gabriel and greets her and names her and calls her favorite one. Word is karah. It, it, it carries with it, you know, it, we, we often use the word grace when we talk about uh, God's favor on, on us, God's unmerited favor. And he, so he calls her favorite one. Out of all the women in the world, God chose Mary. Now, I, I, I can only imagine what's going on in Mary's mind. If she's, if she's a teenager, she's 13 to 15 years old. I can only imagine what's going on in her mind. Why would God call me? Why is this happening to me? The text doesn't say what time of the day it is. It doesn't say where she is, whether she's at home, she's walking uh, down the road. It, it doesn't say what time it is, what month it is. It just tells us that it is the sixth month of the angel Gabriel, and then God shows up uh, uninvited, <laughs> and God uh, invades Mary's space and speaks life into her and gives her a calling and a place in salvation history. And Mary, verse 29 says, Mary wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Mary is a very, uh, we see in every time Mary is mentioned as it relates to the promises or the activity of God, it always says that Mary pondered these things in her heart, or she was perplexed. She, she turned these things over in her mind. She, she thought about it. But it also conveys the idea that May, uh, Mary uh, had some anxiety about this. She, she had some fear 
about what this angel is saying, that Mary's mind was going at a thousand miles a minute as the angel is speaking to her, and so Mary is gripped with fear. But we find in, in Mary's situation, God knows what's going on in Mary's heart. He knows what's going on in, a, in, his, in her mind, and so he speaks to that through Gabriel. And, and, and that, that's the kind of God that we serve. Mary is, the, is exactly the kind of person that Luke and God loves to exalt in his pattern of status reversal where the poor and humble are lifted up and the rich and proud are brought down. Luke's gospel highlights those who are marginalized in society, those who are born on the other side of the tracks. God says to those who are marginalized, the Lord is with you. And it's so important that we understand that, that not only if, if God is, is with Mary, God is with us. Mary is a microcosm of, of us, of everyday people who who work, blue-collar workers, God is, is, is with us. God is with us, Emmanuel. So here we see Mary is perplexed by his words, pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And look at what the angel says to her. Don't, don't be afraid. Fear not. Mary, for you have found favor with God. The angel speaks to Mary's fears. He speaks to, to Mary's anxiety. He speaks to her inferiority complex, and he says, fear not, Mary. Fear not. Don't be afraid. He says to her and speaks to her in such a way that her fears dissipate and gives way to faith. And there are times in our lives where where we feel anxiety, we overthink things, we're wondering what the future holds, we, we're wondering, and, and sometimes that fear paralyzes us. We, we can't move forward. Fear holds us back, and faith wants to move us forward, but we are paralyzed. We, we're in, a, uh, we're in a, a fearful state of mind, and we cannot move forward. And somebody's here right now who you, you, you're paralyzed by fear. You, you can't move forward, but God is trying to put you, and maybe today is the day that you move forward in faith rather than being paralyzed by fear. Amen, somebody. Now, it's kind of quiet on this side. Let me see if there's... Amen, somebody. There we go. Amen. Amen. Let me try this side. Amen, somebody. All right. Wait, there we are. There we go. Because here's the thing, brothers and sisters, uh, God, is, it, it, God has plans for us. Uh, he, has, he has things for us to do, but we cannot allow fear to paralyze us. Life is too short to live by fear. And so here we, here we see the angel says, the Lord is with you, then in verses 30 to 33, there's the commission. There's the commission. God commissions her. He says, the angel said here, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So God gives Mary the big vision, things that are yet to ha happen in her life. God has been to the future and back. He, he shares with Mary what he's getting ready to do through her and how things will unfold. And so Mary has to, is taking all of this in, and in her mind she's saying, Lord, I'm from Nazareth. How can this be? She, she, she's beginning to believe the hype that nothing good can come out of Nazareth. And God says, no, something good, someone good will come out of Nazareth. So here we see God speaking life into Mary, speaking vision into Mary, that God has a plan for Mary. One writer put it this way, that motherhood is Mary's prophetic vocation. It's her calling. Even though this vocation will be painful, as, one, as, as it says in Luke 2.35, a sword will pierce even her own soul. That it, it will be painful. God didn't, is not going to make it easy for Mary and Joseph. We find in the nativity uh, story that, that there is a sense where God did not make it easy for them. But yet God says, you are the favorite one. That if God doesn't, didn't make it easy for Mary and he didn't make it easy for his own son, why do we think he's going to make, make it easy for us? That's a part of the journey. That's how we grow. That's the growing pains of, of being a follower of Jesus Christ. One writer said that Mary, based on her response, becomes the first Christian. She becomes the first Christian, the first follower of, of Christ uh, in the sense that she follows God's lead in this whole situation. You know, if Mary is called like the great prophets of old, then Jesus is her, her oracle. The prophets would speak the word, but Mary gives birth to the word. So Mary is, in, in a sense, she, she's a prophet in the, in the sense that she is giving birth to the word, uh, that Jesus is her oracle. She, Jesus is the last word of God. Here we find in verse 34 that Mary in some way begins to object, begins to object to what God is saying. Uh, he, she, she begins to, to, to wonder about this. In verse 34, it says, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? She asked the question. In other words, Mary, uh, like the previous series that we did, Mary was not sure. But here's the thing about God. God gives space. Gabriel gives space for Mary to ask, ask this question. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't criticize Mary. Mary asked this question because it's a faith question. It, it, how can this, this be, Lord? The, the, this objection serves as a means by which uh, the, the called tries to get out of the calling. We see this in Moses' life. 
We see this in Jeremiah's life, that there is a sense where Mary tries, this question implies that she's trying to get out of the calling. Mary is gripped with fear, but God calms her doubts and fears. He knew exactly what to say to her, and he, he knows Mary better than she knows herself. Mary is not sure about all of this, but she wants to believe. Gabriel gives her space to ask questions, and she believes, but she needs God to help her unbelief. I, 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 I know where, how Mary feels. I, I know where she, she is because there, there are times in my own life that there has been a fear that I would fail. I remember my wife and I were living in our hometown in, in Augusta, Georgia, and God was calling me to go to seminary. And back in, back in those days, you, they didn't have online seminary. You, you couldn't go online. You had to go where the seminary was. Amen, somebody. And I, I can remember I grappled with going to seminary for three years God gave me space. God gave me time. And, 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 and then when I took that leap of faith, uh, I can remember us packing up the U-Haul and driving from Beach Island, South Carolina, all the way to Dallas, Texas. And I'm thinking in my mind as I'm driving that U-Haul truck, I said, Lord, I hope you're in this. I hope, <laughs> I hope you're with me on this, Lord. I got this woman next to me, my wife, Nick, we just got married. Lord, I'm just, Lord, I hope you're with us on this one. And, and we get to Dallas, and we move from an 1,800-square-foot house to a 500-square-foot apartment. Amen, somebody. <laughs> my wife and I really had to get to know one another because we had moved away from home. And I said, Lord, please help me. Please help me, Lord. And God began to reveal to me that even though he did not make it easy for, for us in our move, he did not make it easy for us because not, not everyone supported the move, but God was with us in the move. And he began to show, show his presence through people, through professors, through the school, through the church. And he began to show us that he was with us, but that, that fear of failure is a real feeling when, when we have to leap out of our, walk out of our comfort zone and go into a space where we're uncomfortable. This is what God is calling Mary to do. Maybe God is calling you to that today as well. You're, you're in a space where you know that God is leading you, but there is a fear of failure. You know that God is calling you out of your comfort zone on your job, in your career, in school, or God is calling you out of your comfort zone, but yet you're paralyzed by fear. How do we, how do, how do we deal with this? How, how do we, how did God, uh, how did he speak to Mary? God gives Mary reassurance what he says in verse 35, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be holy, and he will be called, be called the Son of God. And now your relative 
Elizabeth, 62 years old, has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. Look at what, look at what he's saying here. He's, God is saying to her, if he did it for Elizabeth, he can do it for you. If he did it for a woman who's 62 years old, who's barren, then Mary began to rationalize in her mind that, that if God can do it for her, then he can do it for me. He reassures us. And this whole, this whole narrative in Luke tells us that Mary spent three months with Elizabeth, that they needed one another on this journey. Mary 62, uh, Elizabeth 62, Mary, Mary 15 at the most. And there is a mentoring relationship that is taking place between them. And so Elizabeth is speaking life into her. And as a young woman, she needs the wisdom of Elizabeth. She needs Elizabeth to speak faith into her when Mary is still fearful about this situation. And so God orchestrates this situation between Elizabeth and Mary. And it said, when Mary spent these three months with Elizabeth, that John in Elizabeth's womb leaped when Mary showed up and Jesus in her womb. And it was confirmation that God's promise was coming to pass. You know, God has a way of confer confirming through other people what he's calling us to do. God has a way of sending people into our lives who speak faith into us that causes fear to dissipate. Maybe that, that may not be a Gabriel that shows up in your life. But there may be a guy named Gabriel. There may not be an Elizabeth that shows up in your life, but there may be some woman that God sends into your life that says, I'm here to speak life into you. God shows us that we desperately need one another. So he reassures us. and He gives her a sign in Elizabeth. And here's the beauty of this passage that Mary responds in faith. She says, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Gabriel says, for nothing will be impossible with God, Mary. Mary responds in faith, and it says the angel didn't say anything else. The angel just departed from her because God, the, the angel had already given her her assignment and already reassured her. And here Mary is responding in faith. And Mary is, is, is a model of exemplary faith. Mary was the person God chose to mother his son, a humble teenager. She was a model of availability and willingness to serve. So here's the thing. When we look at this whole narrative, we find that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit came up with a plan to overthrow evil and to save humanity from their sinful state. And there were some things that, that the triune Godhead had to do to pull this scandal off. First of all, he, he had to get a virgin pregnant without the help of a man. That sounds impossible, doesn't it? But here's the thing. Adam and Eve were the, were the, were the, first, the first man and woman who, 
who were born, who were created by God and without the help of a man or a woman for that matter. And then he had to keep good news from evil people. He had to keep the good news from Herod, uh, people who didn't mean Jesus any good or Mary and Joseph any good. Thirdly, he had to, had to get humble people to buy into his plan. He had to get the shepherds. He had to get Mary. He had to get Joseph. He had to get all of them to buy into his plan. Last but not least is the greatest thing he had to do. He had to clothe or wrap his divinity in human flesh. That's what God does. That's, that's, that, that's what God does. He, he does the impossible things, things that people say can't be done. God does it. So what do, what to do, what do we do when, when, we, when we are gripped with a fear of failure? I'm glad you asked that question. First of all, we got to own the fear. We got to confess it. We got to say, yes, this fear is real. But don't let the fear own us. Don't normalize the fear. Secondly, we got to focus on aspects of our lives that we can control. Not everything is in your control, but this is what Mary is saying, Lord, uh, what you have said, Lord, let it be according to your will. Lastly, your failure is not final. It's not final. As Irvin Luther said in his book, Failure, the Back Door to Success, that sometimes failure uh, is the way God gets us on the right road to success. But here's the thing. Sometimes your failure can, can be a detour. Uh, sometimes you're going in the wrong direction and God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a detour for you to go in another direction. So the great irony of the gospel is that Jesus' success will come through what appears to be, at, at, to most people, a fantastic failure <laughs> that led to ultimate success. One would think, one would say that Jesus on the cross was a failure. But when he got up early Sunday morning, that was a success. One would say that what Mary went through and Joseph went through was a failure, but Jesus was born on that morning and, and everyone was gathered around him. It was a success. I like the way C.S. Lewis puts it in his screw tape letters. He says that Satan's strategy, he gets Christians to become preoccupied with their failures. And from then on, the battle is won. Isn't that, what, isn't that what Satan does sometimes? He gets us preoccupied with our failures, that we don't try, we don't try it again. We don't, you, every now and then we, the Holy Spirit says, get up, try it again. And we become preoccupied with our failures, and we begin to say, I can't do it. I've already failed. Here's what God wants us to become preoccupied with. I, I believe God wants us to be preoccupied with our faith. To be preoccupied with sharing the gospel. To be preoccupied with loving one another. To be preoccupied with, with peace. To be preoccupied with unity and harmony. To be preoccupied with biblical justice. To be preoccupied with humble-mindedness. To be preoccupied with Jesus Christ. 
Just remember today, keep your focus on Jesus. And when we keep our focus on Jesus, fear will give way to faith. Don't normalize fear. Mary is a prime example of someone who believed, but God helped her unbelief and spoke life into her. And maybe God is speaking life into you today. Saying it's all right to move forward. I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the story of Mary. We thank you, dear God, for what you're doing in us. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing through us. And Lord, we just pray right now that under the sound of my voice that there may be someone who's paralyzed by fear. And they need to know that you are with them, Lord. Make it crystal clear to them today that you are with them. There may be somebody here today, Lord, that the, the, the first thing that they need to do is to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That you have a plan for them. There's a fear in accepting Jesus, but let them know, Lord, they don't have to fear because Jesus loves them. He cares for them. He sees them. And so, Lord, would you draw them to yourself even now as we pray, Lord. Will you do your redemptive work in their heart, that you're tugging at their heart? Would you do that, Lord? We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.